This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. ourselves, why might healing not be happening in someone's life? And I want to share eight things with you. So let's take out our notes. If you're online, thank you for being with us. Um, Host will help you find uh, what you need to find. Let's start out in Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. Matthew 17, 14 through 20. Let's see if we can't... uh, Get some anchor points here. You follow along. Let me read for us. When they came to the crowd, this was Jesus in his circle, a man came up to Jesus and said, kneeling before him, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples. Listen, they could not heal him. So this is a point of frustration. Look up here. Previous to this, we see Jesus doing a couple of things. We see Jesus sending his apostles out, empowering them to proclaim the gospel and heal people. We see and we have seen Jesus' disciples sent out him, us, his collective followers, empowered to preach the gospel and to heal people. So this has been happening and is happening. Now all of a sudden, Jesus walks back down the hill and he encounters a man who comes up and says, hey, I came to your people for help. They couldn't heal him. How is Jesus going to respond in this moment? Look what he says. And Jesus answered, Oh, faithless, twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Hey, uh, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. Truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. World came to the church, looking for healing, looking for restoration. The church couldn't do it. They were unable to heal the brokenness. I think there are eight barriers to healing. The first one is this. It's the faith factor. If healing isn't happening, it might be the faith factor. Write that down. The faith factor. To review, let's understand faith as that conscious act of re-entering into God's story putting myself back into what God is doing, embracing the mystery of God. He's going to do what's best, but always expecting God to do good things. Okay, that's faith. So in light of that, Jesus rebukes his disciples. He says, you faithless generation. What Jesus is doing in that moment is he's hearkening their actions back to the actions of Israel when they're on their way out of Egypt towards the promised land. 
They would habitually, when things get tough, say, you know what? We should go back to Egypt. Things were better in Egypt. We should just go back to Egypt. We don't like what we're being fed here. We don't like the weather. We don't like these things. It's not comfortable. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to those chains. Let's go back to those slave drivers. Oh, faithless generation wanting to go back in the story, not forward in the story. And then Jesus connects them to the current generation. He doesn't isolate them. He says, you are acting like the culture around you. The culture around you does not believe that I'm king. The culture around you doesn't believe that I'm doing a new act, that I'm restoring, that I'm healing. The new culture doesn't believe any of those things. You're acting just like them. And so after the whole crowd disperses and the disciples gather around, they're like, hey, uh, why, when we were praying for healing, did it not happen? It's because you have little faith. Little faith which is actually a term that Matthew uses throughout his gospel to talk about whenever somebody is not trusting God's goodness. They're doubting what God has done and doubting what God is doing. When Peter's walking out to Jesus on the water and he starts to sink, Jesus' response to him, you have little faith. But then he says, but how much faith is really enough? Faith the size of a mustard seed. Have you seen a mustard seed? No, they're small. I mean, there's not a lot there. Because it's not faith in what I do, right? It's faith in who? What God does. What God is capable of doing. Do not use this passage, though, to think that you can strong arm God into doing whatever you want. Because Jesus said, you can move mountains if all you have to do is believe and it'll happen. That's really taking this passage out of context. Were there any times where Jesus asked for something and it didn't happen? Take this cup from me. No matter what's going on, it's always happening within a greater context of healing and restoration. But Jesus is reminding us, hey, it's having faith in what God does and the story that God is working out and expecting his goodness. It's not in you. So the faith factor is a question. If I'm praying for healing or I'm looking for healing, am I immersing myself in the story? Am I embracing the mystery? Am I expecting God's goodness? Or is it resting upon me and my story and my strength and my goodness? That'll just lead to frustration. Another barrier uh, is what we call redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering. Write that down in your notes. Why might healing not be happening? Aaron mentioned last Sunday night at the elder confirmation. That was a lot of fun. That was awesome. You guys did great. I was so proud of them. You guys had come up, man, they're all so different, aren't they? I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> he said, we idolize suffering. I mean, we idolize comfort as a culture, don't we? It's become an idol. We like to be comfortable. We like the couch. We like, we like the cushions. We, we, if, something, if we're suffering, then something's clearly wrong. God hates me. He says, what's our team logo? What's on the t-shirt? It's not a cushion. It's not a blanket. It's a cross. Suffering in the cruciform life is a part of our discipleship. 
And we need to embrace the reality that suffering has a redemptive quality about it. Paul says this in Colossians 1.24. I rejoice in my suffering, important three words, for your sake. In my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Part of a bigger story. It's not about me. It's about what's going on around me. And the Apostle Paul recognizes that that which I am going through and that which I am doing, I carry it because it's for your sake. It's for you. There's more going on than just me um, getting relief from my pain. Agnes Sanford, who had a tremendous healing ministry, wrote books, had healing conventions and services, and went and taught people about the power of God's healing and the willingness of God's to heal, was at a pastor's conference teaching on healing when many of them, including herself, came down with the flu. Awkward. So much so that she had to be sent to the hospital. This is a minister of healing, now sick with the flu. But in that hospitalization, began to teach nurses and doctors and aides who real healing comes from and was able to teach biblical truth because she understood that suffering can have a redemptive quality about it. So imagine in your suffering and in your pain and in your difficulty, this, this ravine that you're walking through, this, this valley of the shadow of death, you come up against this barrier that is your sickness and it is your suffering. If we understand redemptive suffering, it means we take that barrier and we pick it up. We almost embrace it. And that barrier then becomes a bridge for somebody else to get across. Connecting them to grace and love. Like Jesus picking up his cross, knowing because of his willingness to suffer, others would be healed and saved. Have you gotten to that place? Maybe things are chronic. Maybe doctors say, this is just the way your life is. Have you come to the place yet where you're willing to wrap your arms around and says, hey, I will suffer for their sake. That in me, they will see joy and they will see hope and they will find love. That barrier then becomes a bridge. Second big barrier. The third one is sin. Specifically, bitterness. The third barrier is sin, specifically bitterness. We pray the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus, bear my brokenness as I help to bear the brokenness of others. Jesus, forgive me as I forgive them. But then you get to the end of the Lord's Prayer, and he adds these, these teaching points at the end. He says this, for Jesus said, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Then he goes on. If you don't forgive, neither 
will your heavenly Father forgive you. Bitterness is a poison that gets seeded deep in our soul at the hands of unforgiveness. Think of how opposite of the gospel unforgiveness is. You are in relationship with a beautiful, perfect, loving God because he was willing to forgive you all that you had done to his holiness and goodness. And then how odd for us to then turn around and not extend that holiness, grace, love, compassion, all things that are of God for others. And it sucks the life out of your soul. It drains you. It destroys you from the inside out. Have you ever watched someone corrupted by bitterness and unforgiveness? My wife, beautiful gardens throughout her whole, her whole property, her property, she just lets me stay there. <laughs> rose bushes in the front, rose bushes in the back, along the back of the house where it gets lots of sun, there's a beautiful rose bush. And almost, almost overnight, this giant sucker came out in front between the rose bush and the sun. No blooms. Looked yucky. Looked ugly. Not supposed to be there. Sucking the life out of the bush. This little sucker shot right up. So I, thought, I just walk over and cut it off. Boop. Cut it off. Cut off the part that I can see. My wife's like, whoa. Let's call Karen Cron. She knows these things. Like, I just cut it off. No, no. Call Karen Cron. Call up Karen. She said, oh, yeah, yeah. You got to get down below the surface to where that thing attaches to the, to the root ball. You can't just cut it off. You need to get all the way down. And if you want to get that sucker out of there, you need to peel back and dig back. And get all the way down there to the bottom. So I can't just go there. No. Oftentimes, unforgiveness and bitterness goes deep. Things that have been seeded in our soul decades ago. That have built up a poison within us. And here's the crazy thing about bitterness. You can't hide bitterness. You can't hide unforgiveness. It leeches out in everything. But until we're willing to deal with this, some of the horizontal relationships in our life, even for people that might not even be alive anymore, God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not taking care of this pain until we work through this healing. And that's why it's so important when we talk about praying with others and for others, that we have a discerning ear, not just to what the person is saying, but to the Holy Spirit is saying. I was meeting with a, a fellow Christian counselor this last week, and we were talking about how things were going in this series and about the next series to come, which is on emotional healing. Train wreck! I hear it can be a problem. And she said that her and the team had gathered around this individual to pray for physical healing. And it was rather frustrating because they weren't seeing anything happen. God wasn't doing anything. There seemed to be a barrier there. And one of the team said, asked, is there anyone you haven't forgiven? And they started to do a little digging. Sure enough, if there weren't a few, 
issues that were sucking the life out of her. And once that person had forgiven, physical healing was quick to follow. The stuff that goes on on the inside is a whole lot bigger issue than the stuff that happens on the outside. And so often they're connected. Frederick Douglass, who is the great abolitionist, he grew up in a plantation outside of Baltimore, Maryland, raised in chains, grew up in chains. But by God's providence, learned how to read, learned how to write, brought about his own deliverance and began to speak out against slavery and all of its types. And it's interesting in his autobiography, he got to this point where I actually had to pause, because it's an audiobook. I had to pause it and reflect. He said he felt more pain for the slave owners than those who were actually in the chains of slavery. Because he said their chains were inner chains. He said they bear the greater chains as their Actions brought an inner corruption, an inner pain that he saw lived out on a regular daily basis. So if you're praying for healing, we need to learn to listen with love to one ear, to the person in one ear, to the spirit. Are there areas of unforgiveness that need to be talked about? If you're seeking healing, are there seeds of unforgiveness that need to be talked about? And we'll bring this back in a few weeks in our next series. Those are, I think, the three main barriers. Faith. Entering the story again. Is there sin? Is there forgiveness? But these quick ones, real quick. Fourth one. Not praying specifically. Not praying specifically. Is there not healing in someone's life because we're not praying specifically? Can God honor general prayers? Sure. God help. Okay. Yeah. Experience says that the faithful asking of specific prayers is often where we meet him. Blind man comes up to Jesus. We read this story. We've gone over this story. Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the man says, I have an unspoken prayer. That's not what he said. What did he say? He says, I'm blind. I want to see. I have this specific situation. I have a specific problem. I would like you to do that specific thing. I know this means maneuvering through pride and dealing with shame and false senses of identity and value. But I think that's all part of the healing process. So you come down and pastor, I'd like prayer. Prayer for what? God knows. I know that. So why do we even have to pray? Hmm. I don't know. What do you want God to do? I'm blind. I'd like to see. Okay, let's pray for that. I have this back pain. Okay, we can pray for that. I'm angry at my spouse. Okay, go get him. Let's do this. I'm ready. Praying specifically. Or... Connected to that, not praying accurately. We're not praying for the right thing. We're asking God to do A when we need to be asking God to do B. That's why conversation is so important in discipleship. Misdiagnosis, if you will. We talked about Psalm 32. David describing how his bones ached. 
He was weary. He had no strength. Depressed, if you will. Those were just symptoms. What was the real problem? He had a spiritual problem. There was an adultery issue. There was murder issues. There were other things on the table below the surface that had to be gotten to. So we could pray for this, and God says, no, 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 no. I want to do that. That's what I want to talk about. Can we talk about that? So not praying specifically, not praying accurately. Another one, not living proactively. Not living proactively. What do you mean, Paul? There is nothing wrong with seeking the knowledge of doctors. I am married to a medical professional. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for her expertise. I'm thankful for her knowledge. There have been many a times where I have torqued this or pulled that. And she said, can I help you? I'm like, no, I'm just going to trust God for it. No, 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 no. She gets right in there. I'm thankful that she has that medical knowledge. There is nothing wrong for a person of faith to go up to a doctor and say, hey, I need some help. This hurts. Their knowledge is a gift from God. It is perfectly fine. Now, they are not our saviors. They are not our deliverers. They are tools and agents of God. Luke, who wrote one of the Gospels, was a physician, was a doctor. I'm sure that came in a lot of help because he walked with Paul all over the place and he was always getting shipwrecked. He was always getting beaten. He was always getting thrown around. You need to have a doctor in your team, right? God knew what Paul needed. Tap into the medical knowledge. I'm thankful for the medicals that we have here. But also not living proactively means a lack of discipline in our lives, a lack of self-control, hypertension, anxiety, stress, Chronic pain often can be reasons to look below the surface to emotionally what's going on. Because the body oftentimes will tell us what's going on on the inside. Emotionally, mentally, relationally, spiritually. Poor diet. Lack of physical activity. Not because the devil's out to get you. Because you ate donuts. That's all. God does not hate you. You just don't make good choices. I don't make good choices. So I'm going to put in this rose bush for Miss Elise for our anniversary. Anniversaries this week. Coming up. Uh, beautiful roses. The giant arbovita in the way. Massive arbovita. Big thing. Two of them, actually. We had one here and one that kind of flanked the shed. I thought we should get rid of the one. I was corrected. I was wrong. We needed to get rid of the other one, which I did. I cut it down. Still, the root bulb was there. Big, big root bulb. So I go get the pickaxe because this is going down. I've got to get this thing out because I'm going to put in a rose bush and these beautiful paving stones and mulching. It's going to look great. It's going to be beautiful. Got to get that root ball out. So I pick up this pickaxe like I'm 20 and I'm just going at it. Like I'm just, what's up? What's up? Paul Bunyan. I'm John Henry. I'm going at this thing. I'm swinging. I'm cutting. I'm hacking for like 10 seconds. I was good. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> but I've got to get this thing out. I have to. And I know the neighbors are watching, laughing. A lot. And I did. I got it out. I got it out. And it was like, yeah, mm, who's your daddy? 
the next morning, my 42-year-old back told my 20-year-old spirit, dude, <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> it was not the devil of back pain. It was not the evil spirit of a slip disc. It was 20 years of me not making good health choices. That's all it was. Many cases, we can experience physical healing if we just start making better physical decisions. It's that simple. Aaron, why didn't you say amen? Amen, thank you. Doug, amen. How many of you would like to experience physical healing this month? Challenge to some of you. I don't know who. Just drink water for the next month and stop drinking everything else. Stop drinking the sugar waters and stop drinking the pop and stop drinking the beer and stop drinking the seltzers and stop drinking all the other stuff and just drink water and you will experience physical healing. And if you want to take me up on that challenge, I'd be happy to walk alongside of you. 30 days? It's just 30 days. You'll be fine. I'm not going to talk to you for like the first four days, and I'm going to lock your spouse away someplace safe. <laughs> Number seven. It's just not my place to bring about that person's healing. It's just not my place. It's given to each of us a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Say, Mr. Matt comes up to me because of his rotator cuff, and he's asking for prayer. And I'll pray for him, but maybe it's not the Spirit's intention that I be a part of that answered prayer. Maybe the Spirit wants to bring it through somebody else. And that's okay. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I'm okay with that. Because we need each other. We're dependent upon each other. Doesn't stop me from praying. Doesn't stop me from listening. Doesn't stop me from ministering. But we all need each other. And number eight, timing. Timing. It's just not the time. Everybody click the pen together. Does everyone do it right now? Just, okay, stop. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I'm serious, stop it. <laughs> Buying all new pens for the church. <laughs> it says in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 7, listen, just listen to this. Not the pen clicking. For everything there is a season. What's a season? It's an allotted, appointed period of time where a particular thing is supposed to and will, by God's providence, happen. Okay? For everything, there's a season. A time, a season for every matter under heaven. A time to be born. A time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep. Some of us need to learn that one. There is a time to cry. There's a time to laugh. 
There's a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to loose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence. There is a time to speak. God heals through seasons, and our life is not isolated from others. What happens to Cynthia affects Leanne. What happens to Harry affects Doug. What happens to Linda affects Carol. What happens to Vani affects Elise. Why? Because that's how God makes us and creates us and knits us together as members of a household, as members of a family. Some of you have experienced this the hard way. If dad's got an issue, we all got an issue. If mom's got a problem, we all got a problem. If one child is suffering, the parents are suffering. Why? Because we're family the sooner we can learn to walk in that reality, we will foster a spirit of love and grace and healing that you have never seen before. Because we're willing to say, I need you. It also means for me, if I embrace the truth of redemptive suffering, perhaps my time to hurt is so another can heal. Perhaps I need to weep so someone else can learn how to laugh. Maybe I need to mourn so someone else can learn how to dance. And timing also means sometimes it's just time. So I sit at that person's bedside and I hold their hand and we don't ask God for physical healing. Why? Because it's time. And in that moment, they experience full, complete healing. We live in the kingdom tension of now and not yet. We rub our elbows with both. We will experience both through prayer. That doesn't stop us from praying. It doesn't stop us from seeking. Nor does that limit what we can do as we all serve our king. John Milton, one of the greatest poets of all time, surely the greatest poet in England of his time, struggled because at the height of his career, at the height of his fame, at the height of his contribution, in the height of his ministry, he started to go blind. And he would write to God, poems to God, sonnets to God. Why am I going blind? How can the day worker work when you take the light away? He wrote this in Psalm, in a sonnet, 19. Upon reflection, the Spirit speaking to John. Doth God need 
either man's work or his own gifts? Who best bear his mild yoke, they serve him best. His state is kingly. Thousands at his bidding, speed and post, or all the land and ocean without rest. And they also serve who only stand and wait. Translation. God don't need you to do stuff. God don't need your gifts. God don't need your doing. Those who serve him best are those who carry the simple yoke of obedience, character, and conduct. Yes, he is king. And he might send a thousand here and send a thousand there and they might go off and do this and they might go off and do that. But you also know who serves him, the ones he told to stand and wait. They serve too. Stand and wait. You ever waited in a doctor's office before? You ever waited? Only me? Like hours sometimes. Like I'm on the schedule, right? Like I know I screw up my calendar. I'm supposed to be here, right? Like everyone walks by the looking at you like, why is he here? Like I'm supposed to be in this place, right? Waiting and waiting and waiting. There's the doctor's office. And on that side, there's restoration and healing and completion and wholeness. I can take care of the pain if I could just get out of the waiting room over there. I had reconstructive surgery because of a work accident. And I was waiting in the waiting room. And I was waiting, and I was waiting, and I was waiting. Receptionist. More waiting. Mr. Hicker, no, we apologize. The reason that the doctor can't see you right now is because there was a serious car accident, and he was called into surgery trying to save these people. I'm good. I'm good. Yes, I was suffering, but they were dying. I would rather the doctor pay attention to them. I am the God who heals you. Behold, I make all things new, not just you. As the artists come up, I want to read a prayer that was written by a missionary who was falsely accused of espionage in Russia in the 1940s. And as a result, was in a war camp for 20 years. Do you think he had a right to be bitter and angry? And he writes this beautiful prayer of surrender. I know we don't like the word surrender. It just matters who you're surrendering to. That's all. And may this kind of give us a, a place to come back to center. 
as we re-enter the story again, embracing God's mystery and expecting his goodness. This is what this missionary said. Maybe it can be your prayer this morning. Lord Jesus Christ, I ask the grace to accept the sadness in my heart. As your will for me in this moment, I offer it up in union with your sufferings for those who are in deepest need of your redeeming grace. I redeem, I surrender myself to your Father's will, and I ask you to help me to move on to the next task that you've set for me. Spirit of Christ, help me to enter into a deeper union with you. Lead me away from dwelling on the hurt I feel to thoughts of charity for those who need my love, to thoughts of compassion for those who need my care, and to thoughts of giving to those who need my help. As I give myself to you, help me to provide for the salvation of those who come to me in need. May I find my healing in this giving. May I always accept God's will. And may I find my true self by living for others in a spirit of sacrifice and suffering. May I die more fully to myself and live more fully to you as I seek to surrender to the Father's will. May I come to trust that he will do everything for me. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.